0: Hi, this is Felix chimera lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Revelation chapter 2, and today we are in verse 18 all the way to 29, and we're still continuing in our series in the book of Revelation. Uh, called Revelation, Babylon has fallen, Amen. Amen. So let me ask you as we are reading the Word of God to honor God's words. Let me ask you to stand. Revelation chapter two, beginning in verse eighteen, the Word of God reads, "And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, who has eyes like the flame of fire, and his feet like like burnished bronze, says this: I know your deeds." I know your love, I know your faith, and I know your service and the perseverance and that, you, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself prophetess and she teaches and leads my bond servant astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I give her time to repent and she does not want to repent for her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, with pestilence. and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest of you who are in Thyatira, who hold, who hold, not the, who hold this teaching... Who have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have what you have nevertheless, what you have hold fast and nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I'll give him authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron, and the as the vessels of the porter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And even now as we are getting into your word, we pray. May you speak to our hearts. May you speak to our lives. You, O Lord, who knows everything. You know our hearts, Lord. There is nothing that we can hide before you, Lord. So I pray May you speak to us, each of us uniquely, in our unique situations, even as we gather here this morning. And Father, we pray for your grace. May you help us not to just preach your word, not just to share your word, not just to hear your word, Lord. But may you give us the grace to live it out, so that people will see our very lives that have been transformed by the power of your word, O Lord. And they'll give glory and honor to your name, O Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. May all the saints say, Amen. 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 We can take our seats. <clears throat> to those that came late and you missed Brother Patrick, oh, Brother Double, as my brother Kama was saying that sometimes I don't know what to call him, whether I should call him Patrick or Double Z. But anyway, to those of you that came, they had a wonderful performance uh, with Brother Hama, and they were singing about their song. They were singing a song titled, Dinkondo. And just reminding us that even as Christians, we are in a warfare. Amen. Because sometimes it's easy to relax and think, well, it's all sunshine. But we have an enemy who was kicked out of heaven and he has made his mission to distort God's plan here on earth. Amen. He has made his mission that he will hinder God's people from progressing He has made his mission that he does not want to see you progress. He does not want to see you live out your destiny. And he will oppose you. And that's why these brothers were reminding us even this morning through their song that we are in a war. Amen. And we are in a war with a great enemy. With great tactics. In Ephesus they say wows of the devil or schemes of the devil. He's a master technician. He comes up with various schemes so that he can defeat God's people. And we will do well to know that we are in a war. Amen. Amen. But also, as we are in this war, we will do well to understand that this enemy, the devil, has many schemes. He will attack the church from outside. He will bring persecution. We have seen through this series churches like Smyrna. They were persecuted. He will bring war from outside. But also, he can also bring war from inside. We saw last week in the church in Pergamos that he brought war inside. There was corruption inside. And today as we move on to another letter, to the letter in the the church in Thyatira, we see he still continues this tactic of bringing war inside. And this time around is tolerance. The church in Thyatira is tolerating sinful behavior, is tolerating a false teacher amidst them who's leading other believers astray. And we must remember this, that we have been called to live a holy life. Amen. We have been called to live a holy life. And because of this, we can never tolerate sin. Because God has called you and me to live a holy life. We can never tolerate sin. And the devil will try to bring in many tactics so that we come to a place where we feel comfortable with sin. Where we say, you know... It's okay. We, we, we can live with this. But when it comes to God, he can never tolerate with sin in his body, but also in his children. And that's what we're going to learn in this letter to the church in Thyatira. That because God has called us to live a life of holiness, as believers, we should never tolerate with sin. And as we looked at this letter last week, we're going to also have the same format. It's a letter. And naturally, a letter has an introduction Who is writing this letter? Who is this letter being written to? It also has a body. What is is this letter talking about? But also it has a conclusion. And we're going to also see, we're going to use the same format. Look at its introduction. We look at its body, but also we're going to look at its conclusion. So let me invite you as we dive into this letter, firstly, to look at the introduction of the letter. And last week I was saying that Nowadays, our letters, we finish them off or the name of the author of the letter, we put them at the end. Sincilios, Brother James. Sincilios, Brother Patrick. In the ancient times, you would address your name in the beginning. And that's why if we read the letters, we see the Apostle Paul, the bondservant of God. And even here, as we come to this letter, Jesus introduces himself. And firstly, before we look at the introduction of Jesus, Notice, he says to the angel of the church in to the angel of the church in Thyatira, to the angel of the church. It's addressing a church. It's not addressing a building. It's addressing a people. Amen. Reminding us that a church is more than this building. The church we are the people. Amen. And Jesus is addressing this people as well as he's addressing you and me. And he says to the church in Thyatira, and he goes on now to bring about his identity now notice what it says to the angel Thyatira right. the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this the son of God whose eyes are like flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this now if you've been following the series you would notice that in each of the church there's a unique description of who Jesus is depending on what's happening there, Jesus approaches each church uniquely. Amen. Just as with us as well. We are different people, different tempers, different background. And Jesus does not approach us all in the same way. Jesus approaches us uniquely. But now notice this unique approach to this church. He says, The Son of God, who has eyes like flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this. He says, the Son of God, reminding us of his deity, that Jesus is God. He says, the Son of God. And Jesus here is saying, I am God, and I am coming to you. Now, in Revelation, this is the only part which addresses Jesus as the Son of God. Earlier on, it addresses him as the Son of Man, emphasizing his humility emphasizing his humanness that Jesus was also a human amen he took on flesh he took on bones God became man and he's able to identify with us he's able to sympathize with us I don't know if you have ever been in a situation where you just feel like I don't think nobody understands this I think people can understand what I'm going through I think people can understand what I am feeling right now. But let me tell you, there is one who totally understands you. Amen. Who's able to sympathize with you. Why? He was man. He became man. And he lived on this earth. He faced the temptations that we face. But yet, the Bible tells us, without sin, he lived a perfect life. And therefore, he is our great high priest who's able to understand what we go through. But that is the son of man. But as he's coming to this church, the church that is tolerating sin in its midst, he comes to them as God. He does not come as a sympathizer that I am coming to comfort you. I am coming to sympathize with you. No, he comes as God. I am coming there as God almighty, the resurrected one. Why? There is sin among you and I cannot tolerate sin. Amen. And that's who God is. He can never tolerate with sin. We can be comfortable with it, but when it comes to him, he can never. And that's why we find he says, "The Son of God." And notice he continues to say, "Whose eyes are like flaming fire?" I mean, please imagine the, the picture here. He says, "His eyes are like flaming fire." I mean imagine if you saw somebody with eyes like flaming fire. Look, you and me can agree on one thing. We can differ on many things, but one thing, we can agree. You saw a man with eyes like flaming fire. The only natural response you are going to do is run. Amen. Like you say in both, you would run so fast. Why? Because this is not a normal sight. Amen. But this is an imagery that's reminding us that look, his eyes see everything. We can put on veil to cover our weaknesses, we can put on veil to hide our true nature, but his eyes are all seeing and they penetrate where no man can even see. Amen. He sees all. You see, we can come here, we can put on a, a face, we can put on a screen saver. All is well in my life, but Jesus knows. He says his eyes are like fire; they penetrate, they see all. And he's telling this church, "Look, I know what's happening, and I see what's happening there. You cannot hide it from me. You can come and worship me, but I know what's happening in your midst." And then he says, "His feet." His feet are like burnished bronze. His feet are like shining bronze, reminding us, look, he's coming in judgment to trample those who oppose him. Amen. Amen. To trample those that are bringing false teaching, even in the midst of this church. I don't know if you have ever wondered, sometimes you go on the internet or you're reading stories or hear about stories and you wonder, Lord, all these people that are teaching wrong teachings, leading your people astray. Lord, what are you doing about it? Sometimes I wonder, but God, no. How can we go so far? What are you doing about it? Sometimes I wonder. But when I am reminded of these passages, that God is coming in his judgment. Amen. He is coming in his judgment. And here in this church, this tolerance of sin. They have tolerated sin to a point that even some who are so-called believers are led astray. I mean, church. These people have tolerated sin even to a point where he says some are deep in the teachings of Satan. Imagine that description. It says, look, this is not your casual sin. This is not, oh, he, he just lied. No. This is, his, look, some even to a point where they are immersed in Satan's deep teaching. That's how bad things were. That's how bad this church was. And then Jesus says, look, I am coming. And when I am coming, it's not a friendly visit. I'm not coming to say, hi, how are you? So how has been the weak brother? How has been the weak sister? No, he's coming in judgment. He says, I've seen it. My eyes pierce all, oh, sees all. Oh, and I have seen it and I am coming in judgment. And I'm coming to trample all those that are going astray. Now let me ask you, as we have seen this image, scary as it is, If Jesus was coming here, Kairos, what identification would he have? What picture would he have? We saw in each of the churches, some he was sympathizing. Some like Pergamos, he was coming in judgment. Some like in Ephesus, he was reminding he's the one who is in control. Some like Thyatira here, he's coming to bring judgment. If you was to come in this church, if you was to write a letter to this church, what would he say about us? What identification would he bring? Let's maybe move on a little bit further. If he was to write a letter to you, hallelujah. I mean, talking about a great pen, Paul. But if he was to write a letter to you, what imagery would he introduce himself would he introduce that of the loving father coming to his obedient son? Would he introduce himself as one who does not tolerate sin and is coming to bring judgment? Now, let's be reminded here. This letter is not being written to unbelievers. Because it says the church. He's addressing the church. He's addressing believers. Amen. He's addressing you and me. Now, if he was to write that letter... How would he introduce himself in your life? Or would he say, yes, my dear faithful son. Or would he say, I am coming to you, the son of God, with fire blazing out of my eyes, with bronze feet, and I'm going to trample the things that you are doing. But you see, we must understand this, that he loves us so much, amen? Amen. It is not out of anger, but out of love. When he sees sin in his church, when he sees sin in his people, he comes to discipline. Amen. He comes to discipline. So what? So that we can be made like him. So that we can conform to his image. So that we can say, yes, now I'm becoming more and more like him. And this is how he introduced himself. Now, when it comes to this particular church, not much is known. But remember, Paul is preaching in, in, in Ephesus. It says, Men in Asia Minor go to hear the message. And probably those people are the ones that established this church. But also remember, there was Lydia in Acts 16. It says she was from this city. And probably she was one of the founders. We don't know. We can only assume. But this church was in a small city a very small city, that its function was to be a military outpost to Pergamos City, the last church that we saw, or the last city that we were in. So that when the invaders are coming, they would attack this small city first, and then they'll give time for the people in the city of Pergamos to prepare. Now imagine if that was your function, that your function is only just to hold the enemies, just to be attacked, so that the other guys next door can actually prepare. Sad, isn't it? But you see, that was the state of this city. It was small. Some of the ancient historians, Pliny actually, actually said that this was an important city. It wasn't important at all. Nothing significant. That's how he describes it. But imagine this. What was so insignificant to others, Jesus takes his time to write a letter to it. Amen. Imagine the master himself sits down and says, look, I am going to write this letter to this church in this small city, probably very insignificant to many, yes, but I am writing this letter to them. And actually, if you, looked at, if you look at all the letters to the churches, this is the longest letter. And yet they say this was an insignificant church. But the length of a letter doesn't matter. But what I want you to see is the heart of the one writing the letter. Jesus himself is speaking to this, well, maybe some will say insignificant. And don't we sometimes feel like that, that, e, but you know where we come from. E, but you know my background, that we feel insignificant, maybe because where we are coming from. Maybe because of our qualification. Maybe because of our career. But you know me, Ah, I'm just a messenger. And we think that identifies us. We think that identifies us. But, brothers and sisters, let's be reminded that our identity is found in the one that made us. Amen. Our identity is not what we have, it's not in our career, it's who has made you. Can you think for me? Can you think with me for a moment? People that say, Well, I am cool because I have this, I am important because I have this job, I'm important because I have this car. I am important because people know my name. I am important because, hey, hey, yeah, when I stand there, everybody knows me. They know me from Malawi to Shanghai. Everybody knows me. But let me ask you this question. When we identify ourselves or when people identify themselves in such a way, what actually is important there? Is it them or what they have? You see, the truth is when we value ourselves with the things that we have, The problem is we are saying that we're worthless. We're saying that I'm not really that important. It's this thing that's important. And because I have this thing, then I'm somebody. And strangely, even believers, we do that too. Oh, yes. (laughs) I prayed two hours. Yes, I'm the man. now. You're the man because you did that or you're the man because God made you the man. As believers, sometimes we lose our identity as well. I don't have money, and so, but you know, if we can't do that, we want to help our church, but we can't do that. Why? I don't think people would want us to help. No, not people, but God wants you to do that. Amen. And Jesus writes this letter to this church in this small city, which mainly serves as an outpost, as a military outpost to hold back the enemies and give time for the other churches, for the other cities to prepare. But God had love for this, and God has love for us as well. So, as we see here, notice in this introduction, Jesus introduces himself as one coming to judge to this church in this city. Now, this city, talking about this city, Not just, it was not only just a military outpost, but it was a commercial city. Business ended up flourishing in that city. And there were many trade unions there that a group of people would band together and form a union. And if you were in part of that union, you had to worship a particular God in that union. So example, there would be ah, the God of maize. So this maize group, Would band together and they worship that God. And there were so many gods, and that's how people banded in this city. And for a Christian, because you believed in the only one true God, the only God, you couldn't participate in this union. You would be kicked out. Why? Here are the reasons. Because number one, your conscience would tell you, no, I can't be part of this. Why? Because this is more than just a group of business guys meeting together. They're worshiping a particular God I don't worship. You wouldn't feel comfortable because some of the groups even went as far as committing sexual immorality as part of worshiping their God. So for Christians, it was hard. And that's a situation in some of these believers. They probably suffered financially. Why? Because they couldn't compromise their standards. Hallelujah. But they were suffering for Christ. And I don't know if you remember the testimony that brother Kama gave in his previous workplace. That because he couldn't take bribe, he couldn't take compromise in that work as people were stealing money. They actually had to kick him off. Amen. I mean, imagine, some of us probably have never done that or have never gone through that experience. But imagine that you're working in a company and the only reason that they kick you out is not because you're not doing your job well, but because you can't compromise your standard, but because you can't take corruption, because you're calling sin a sin, amen. You're calling what it is and they kick you out for that. That is a situation that these believers had to go through. But some ended up compromising. So we see the introduction that Jesus is coming to this church. Now let's move on to the body of this letter. It says, I know your deeds. I know your love and faith. And I know your service and your perseverance. And I know that your deeds of late are greater than they were at first. And I love this part. It's similar to the other churches. Jesus commanding these churches, I know your deeds. You see... I'm reminded when I was young. Amen. I was young once upon a time. Amen. Yes, Brother Dub. I was young once upon a time. Now, I was so much fascinated into sports. And I had this guy here. I used to idolize so much. Like I used to, I wanted to be like him. If there were all the people in order, I used to say, this is the best player in order. And I wanted to be like him. And then one day, we had this tournament, and my name was picked out. And guess what? I was playing with this guy. Look. Ah. I felt good. I was like, wow. So I'm going to be in the same team as that guy. Yeah. Well, I don't care if they don't put me in. But if as long as my name is associated with them, I'll be fine. Because people remember, oh, he was in the same team as such. And then we, went, we, we had a tournament in Blanta, And as we went there, the game was so hard, and they put me in. Young, scared, and I remember him just coming to me. Look, young man, you got to be strong. This is a game. And he gave me so much confidence, and I ended up playing good, better than him, actually, in that particular game. And then he comes to me after the game, and he says, Look, you were the best player. Now, imagine this, this was, at that time, we considered him as the best basketball player in Malawi. At that time. Now, he comes to me, young, and inexperienced kid, and he says, look, you were the best player. Now, some of us probably couldn't understand, we can't understand, but for me, a person that admired him, to me, that was a great honor. Him commending me, wow, I felt so good. It was like, that guy just said this to me, and I'm telling you, all my friends knew about it. I didn't hesitate. Oh, so-and-so said this about me. I felt so good because he commended me. Now imagine Jesus commanding, commending you. He says, look, I know your works. I know your love. I know your service. I know your serving. I know you're loving. I know this. I know this. What if Jesus was saying that about you? That I know. I know the things that you don't get appreciated over. I know them. Look, this is the greatest encouragement. Look, if we feel good about people commending us, what about Jesus himself? Sometimes because we, in the sinful world, we, we want to be commended. And honestly, yes, I do. Last week I was saying that. I want to be commended when I do a good job. Amen. I want somebody to come and say, hey, look, oh, you did a good job. I don't want people just to pass by like nobody's noticing. But truth be told, in this world, not everybody is going to come to you and say, good job. It doesn't happen all the time. But notice this, even if people don't say that, there is one that is saying that, that. I know what you're doing. I know it. Even if you don't hear it from me or from any other, know that there is one greater than any person. Amen. Greater than any leader, greater than any pastor, greater than any brother, greater than anyone else. And he says, I know, and he commands you. And that is enough to keep you moving, even when you don't feel appreciated. Amen. That is enough to give you the drive and say, look, I'm going to do this even when people don't commend me. I'm going to serve him in this way even when I don't get a recognition from so and so. Why? Because Jesus himself is the one that gives me the commendation. So he tells His church, I know your love. Now remember the difference with this now church and in, in Ephesus. In Ephesus, a church solid in doctrine. Oh, they were in the scriptures. But they lacked love. And coming to this church, not so good in doctrine, but yet they had love. Amen. They had love. They loved one another in this church. When you went there, you never felt like you were not loved. You felt loved. And wow, what a great place it could be. I mean, just being in that place and you feel loved. Amen. I don't know, guys, if you recognize this, but you know how we always say, oh, when the service is done, as you're walking out, please say hi to somebody, greet somebody. Sometimes, you know, we take it, well, it's one of those things we do at church. But imagine if you were new, you don't even know anybody. And you sit there, and a brother comes to you, approaches you, asks you all these questions, is interested to know you. It feels good, it feels like, wow, you know, I'm actually loved in that place. But take the other side, you come into this place, you don't know anyone, and you sit there, and everybody's acting like you're not even there. I mean, it's obvious that you are the new person in town, that you're the new member in that church and you sit there, nobody, three months, four months, not even a high. You would not feel love and guarantee you would not stay there because you wouldn't feel love. And some of these things that we say, look, as you're going out, say hi to somebody that you don't know. These are more than just Christian cliches or things that we say to make you feel good. These are things that actually build us. Amen. It affirms that, look, that place, there is love in that place. There's caring in that place. That person took his time and he asked about me what I did. There's affirmation and you feel good. And that's why most of the times at the end of it, we say, look, don't just go out straight. Say hi to somebody and somebody that you don't know. But as far as this church was concerned, oh, they were on point on love. And it says this. I know your deeds. I know your love, your faith. These guys were Faithful. These are type of people you give them work and they'll be faithful but also they persevered in their faith in their teaching but the only problem is the corruption that was happening in this church. Some of them endured it. They hold on fast to the teaching and they were faithful and then it says service. Hallelujah. Service. They were serving. If there is one of the things that are so difficult in the church is to get people to serve. Hallelujah. If there is one of the difficult things to do in the church, I'm telling you, among the top five, or among the, actually I'll put it among the top five, is to get people to serve. Like look, there is so much work that we need all hands on deck. But if there is one of the things that's so easy to do is people criticize everything amen oh that wasn't well but remember that's why we have you so you can help out service in the body if you can remember in Acts the apostle says look there's just so much work for us to do we can't do that we can't do this we can't serve plates we can't go and study the word and then preach again We need others as well. So among you, choose others to come in. You know, I love that fact because it reminds, look, there is so much work. There's so much work even for those that are members of this church. Amen. There are so few people that do everything. And then some just sit back. Here's the thing. Here's the problem. Where is your love for Christ? Amen. Because if you love Christ, you love his body. Hallelujah. If you love Christ, you love his body, and you want to see his body progress. If you say, I love Jesus, then look, let it be sure, not only just in your words, but in your actions as well, by your service. But you cannot come Sunday in and Sunday out and just sit on the pews, no, or just sit on the chairs, hallelujah. We cannot do that. There is so much work. You see, you see the same people doing the same thing week and week, and you wonder, look, doesn't this guy get tired? And probably they are. But you see, there is nobody else. So they must continue. But there is a reward for them. But look, even us as well, we need to step up in our service. If we belong here, please don't just be a member find a ministry if you say well look i don't know the ministries that you guys have ask the ashes at the back there is a list of ministries that are there and you say well look i'm not sure i'm cut out to sing but hey maybe let me try it's okay i'm sure the praise team will receive you say okay look come try out they will tell you the process and maybe in the process you realize that hey my voice uh, not very ah glorious and maybe you can live there humbly and say brothers and sisters my time with you in the praise team yes it was joyous but i've learned something about me i'm actually not good in this you move on and try out something else and maybe in the process you actually recognize ah you know what i have a friendly smile when people come there when i smile they feel comfortable because honestly not all of us have that friendly smile hallelujah Honestly, you know, when some people smile at you, you feel welcome. You just, "Ah." but you know, when some people are smiling, you wonder, is he smiling or is he expressing some anger? I don't know. Right. But everybody has a gift because God has gifted all of us in, in, in many ways, but we cannot just sit down because as we sit down, we slow the progress. We are supposed to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's why we need everybody. And I'll repeat again, look, if you don't know the ministries that are here, meet the ushers at the back. Tell them, look, I want that list. And on that list, there's actually, there's actually a place there you can write your name there. And do that today. How Don't just go home and say, ah, oh, yes, hey, my, that was a message there. Hey, yeah, come, you know, one day, you know, I'll do it one day. No, 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 no. no. Go there at the back there. There is a list. Pick out a three. If you're not sure, pick out three and say, look, let me give this a try. Go at least. I would rather you give it a try than just. (sighs) Because, guys, if we don't step up and if we don't serve, we'll keep on burdening the same people. Amen. And that is not supposed to happen. Because the reason why God has gifted you it's so that you can help the body. Remember when he's talking about the spiritual gifts, he says he has given us, he's given us different kinds of spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body. For the benefit of the body. And when you don't come, you don't benefit the church. There's always lacking because I can't be you and you can't be me. You are uniquely you and I am uniquely me, and that's how God has made us. Brother, brother Dabo here and Brother Ham came, and they did a wonderful song. If I came here, you guys would probably just, you know, with all humbleness, say, hey, I was good, Pastor. But you know that she's like, ah, that was not good. Ah, yeah, yeah, that was, I, that was disaster there. Because you know how Christians do it, you know. They, you know, they put on a face, when, you know, they don't want to embarrass you. And they ah, yeah, good job, brother, amen, God bless. And they were, you know, they workers like, ah, oh my guys, honestly, ish. <laughs> Lord have mercy. He has that gift. I can't. You have a particular gift that you can do, but maybe I cannot. But together, we complement each other and we move forward. When we bring all our gifts together, we move forward. And Jesus says, commends this church about, like you guys are serving. I love this about you. You're serving. You're lo- there's love in this church. There's faithfulness in this church. And he says, there's perseverance. Some of you are persevering. I love the word persevering because persevering means that there is resistance there. Amen. There is resistance there, but these guys are moving forward and they're persevering. Some of us, when the enemy just comes one, two, and say, "Hey, sh- I'm done. Hey, this Christian thing. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Persevere. Amen." These people probably were cut out of this, uh, on, in, this in the trade union that way in this city. But they persevered. They trusted the Lord and said, look, the Lord will provide. They continued with him. And the Lord showed himself faithful. On Friday, I was talking to Pastor Gideon. And he shared this story with me. Very amazing. He's in South Africa. And he says, look, I didn't have money. I didn't have money to pay for my school. I didn't have a lot. But he trusted God. The very God that called him. And he said, look, one day I was just walking and I saw this school and I just said to myself, look, let me just apply there. And then lo and behold, he, was re- he received a call from the owner of the school and tells him, look, come on Monday. Let's have, you know, let's have an interview. Let's see, you know, if you are really worth your sort. They called him. They tell him, look, how soon can you start? That is a God when we, as he was going through that time when he was like, look, I didn't have money, but he trusted his God. Amen. And he persevered in that. He could have easily given up and say, Lord, I am here, but you're not providing. But in his time, God came through for him. And he has a greater testimony and say, look, I just don't read that you're the provider. I know for sure that you You are the provider. It happened in my life and I experienced it. Amen. Look, it's high time that we just move and say these things. God is good. Yeah, but he's really good to you. God is, God is great. Are you sure you're seeing his greatness? Because otherwise we're going to end up, remember that, that guy who used to walk on the string. He says there was one mountain on this side and one mountain. And he would walk on one string to the other side. And he would ask the people, look, do you believe I can walk on this string? People say, yeah, you're the great one. You can do that. Do you believe I can carry this person and walk on the string without falling down? Yes, you're the great one. You can do it do you believe I can carry a wheelbar and go go across that string to the other side? Yes. They all said yes. And then he asked, look, do you believe I can carry you and then go across the string to the other side? They said, yeah, you're the great one, you can. So step forward. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you're the great one, but... my life but you sometimes we do that with God we acknowledge his greatness with our words but when it comes to putting him to test that's where sometimes we hold back when God says look I am your provider and I will provide you and in those moments sometimes we seek to say okay look uh, I'll have an easy way out let me just make this easy money. look I know it's wrong but I'll make it why because eh, maybe God won't come through but look How can you be able to say he is a provider if you have never seen him providing for you? Put him to test and you will see his greatness, his power, amen. For this church, they persevered, they endured, and they saw God's faithfulness. And I love the last part when he's commenting, he says, and your deeds of late are greater than at first. Not only were they growing in their faith, in their love, in their perseverance, in their service, but they were growing even in their whole life. I mean, just, they were growing. This was a church that was growing. A reminder that, look, you cannot be a believer for seven years and you still remain an infant. You ought to grow, amen. There needs to be growth. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews say, look, guys, by now you should have been teachers and yet you still need to be taught back. The very first thing, what was the problem? Because they were not growing. He says, look, you guys, I can't feed you meat. You still need milk. You know, if you, if you have a child and he doesn't have to, you cannot feed that baby meat. Hallelujah. There will be something terribly wrong with you. And as a teacher, the right of Hebrews say, look, I want to give you this hard stuff because, well, I can see, I mean, you're grown of stature. But the problem is you're still a baby and you still need milk. But yet you should have grown by now. He laments. He says, look, I can't go on to teach you the other things because, well, you have become so dull in your understanding. And that's a problem when we don't grow. Amen. And here's the thing about growth. Growth is never an accident. You don't stumble into growth. And especially when we're talking about spiritual growth. You can never stumble into growth like, oh, yes, I have grown. No. No. There is time, there is sacrifice, studying the word, speaking to God, hearing his message. Those things, they build us up. But they can't just happen when you just, hallelujah, blessed assurance, here I am, Lord do your thing. Uh -uh. There's effort that we put in there. And God has given us all these disciplines, fasting and prayer, studying his word. But the question is, are we growing? If we examine our very lives, are we growing? Is there growth? Is there something that you can point and say, you know what? Last year, to pray for 20 minutes, heesh, it was hard. But this time, hey, I've broken through, moved to 30. Last year, sometimes I was struggling with the word, but now, ah, I'm understanding his word. Again, Brother Gideon tells me of this guy in South Africa in the church in South. Rastafarianism. I mean, he was a Rastafarian. Didn't believe in Christ at all. Sat down with Pastor Amponjo And they started talking. And he got converted. And he says this. This guy, every time he misses a cell, he actually books for his own cell. He calls Pastor Mponjo and says, look, I know I missed a cell yesterday. But let's meet today. I just want to learn. This guy doesn't want to miss a cell. This guy says he works overnight shifts, but the next day, if he misses a sale, he comes early, knock on Pastor Ambonjo's door, and say, look, uh, let's get into the script. What did you guys learn? And they saying he's so hungry, it's so contagious that even others, you know, are also hungry. But that's how he will grow. It won't be an accident. Out of his hunger for God, God will fill him, amen. It is out of this hunger that we have that God fills us. When we are hungry for him and praying, he fills us. And sometimes people want, how come I'm not growing? Baby check. are you praying? Are you getting in his word? Are you listening to his word? Because if we're not growing, we're never going to be effective. Like the church that the author of Hebrews is writing to, says, look, by now, you should have been teachers, which means they were not, they were not being effective. As we're looking at this body of this letter, you see the commendation. And sometimes in each letter, I wish we would just end there and say, Lord, hallelujah, that's good. But then there's always this but. And notice now after the commendation comes the condemnation. It says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray. You tolerate people, that are not supposed to be tolerated. Now, tolerance, I don't know if you have ever reached those levels. I used to have a friend, again when I was young, so yes, I was young one time. Growing up, he used to wanted us to, if he had a shirt, he wanted us to commend about the shirt, like, hey, nice shirt. If he had a shoe, he wanted us to say something about the shoe. Now, he did it so much that we stopped commending him every time he buys a new thing or saying something. And he did it in such a way. If you didn't, oh, he's going to force you until you say it. If it's a new shoe, he'll put it up front. So you see it. If you don't see it, he'll talk about, have you seen my, this is a such and such and such and such. Until finally you just say, hey, look, that's a nice shoe. And then he'll be satisfied. It was annoying. It was annoying for me and for all my friends. And we used to talk about it like, yeah, am, but that's too much. Oh, this shirt. Oh, this is Gucci. Hey, this is this is. Until you say something, he's not going to stop telling you about that. And it was annoying. And there are times I really wanted to tell him. Like, look, uh, you better stop this. But I just didn't have the courage. I tolerated that behavior. Even when he was doing it, I tolerated and said, yeah, maybe I'll do it next time. But, uh, but I don't want to hurt his feeling. But you know, he's a friend. Maybe he won't understand what I'm trying. I had all these excuses. But guess what? Sometimes, as Christians as well, we do that with sin. Ah, but yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a nice brother, you know. He helps us out sometimes. When we call him, he's there. You know, he comes to help out. But then we say, but so ah, that's sin. Ah, maybe he's going to grow out of it. No. If it's sin, call it sin. Amen. Look, brother, you can't live this way. Look, sister, you can't live this way. This is not right before God. It doesn't matter what you do. It didn't matter what this church did. They had great commendations. They were great in love. They were great in faith. They were great in service. They were doing it. But Jesus is a loving God, and one thing he cannot do is tolerate sin. Amen. He can never tolerate sin in your life. It doesn't matter how many good things you have done. But because you're his child, he will come to you and tell you, no, this is wrong. And guess what? He has called you and me to look out for each other. And be able to point, no, that's wrong. You cannot be cheating like that. You cannot be doing this. But moreover, even those that are teaching false teaching, hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a church, we can never tolerate, he says, look, your problem is you're tolerating this woman called Jezebel in your midst, and as a result, she's leading my born servants astray. She's leading believers astray. I was asking brothers this morning, I was with Brother James and then Brother Kama, saying, look, have you ever heard any person called Jezebel? Like, he's just, I don't know, I've never heard, it's like a A mother calling or a father calling her daughter Jezebel. I don't know. Maybe there is. But strangely in my research, I haven't found one yet. But if we remember Jezebel, and I guess I concluded that maybe it's because of this whole thing about Jezebel. Now here, maybe the Jezebel that they're referring here, maybe that was her name. Amen. Maybe that was her actual name. But most commentators say, no. Jesus was using this to refer to the Jezebel of the Old Testament that she had a similar character. She had manipulative character. She manipulated King Ahab. And when it's written about King Ahab, it says he was the worst king for all the kings that had gone before him and even those that had came after. That's how she corrupted him. And that's why even our message today is called the Manipulated Church. Why? Because they allowed this woman in the church and she corrupted the church. That even, says, some born servants... Some believers were led astray to sexual immolarity, to idol worship, because of her teaching. Where was the church? They were listening. Now, some people have concluded that, look, maybe with this trade union, because to be in this trade union, you had to worship other gods. So when this woman came, she she said, look, it's okay. You can go and participate there. I mean, I'm sure God knows. You need the money, don't you? You need to pay your bills, don't you? How are you going to eat? Well, you need money. So it's okay. God understands. So people were led astray. And then people were committing sexual immolarity as they went to this idol worship. Believers were doing this. She was bringing such teaching. And I'm always shocked when I read this. It says that some that were not caught in the deep teachings of Satan. There was this agnostic belief that, look, the body is not sin. I mean, the body is sin. This flesh that you have is sin, but your spirit is the one that Jesus has saved. Your spirit is the one Jesus saved, but your body its sin. So do whatever with your body. If your body wants to go to an idol worship, do that. It's in your body. But don't sin with your spirit. Now there, now you know the Lord will punish you. But with your body, appeal to your body and... When you think about it, don't we that advertise appeal to the body? Oh, have all that you can feel. Ah, it's amazing. It's so refreshing. It will make your body feel, ooh, exciting. We have all this that appeal to the body. And so, even here, when they have, it says, look, it's okay. You can sin in your body. Go there and do that. So people, believers in the church, you you know, sometimes you think, ah, But these believers, they had a problem. But guys, let's wake up and think. Sometimes when you hear things that happened there among his believers, how? You hear people say, look, the Lord is your shepherd. Therefore, let's go and eat grass. And they're eating grass and they get sick. And you want to look, you're sick because you were eating that. The Lord is your shepherd doesn't mean you should eat grass. And you think, how do people listen to such? It's happening even now. It's happening in our midst. It's happening in our cities. It's happening in our nation. It's happening in our world. There was this woman Jezebel in this church. They tolerated her and she manipulated many. She led them astray. And notice what it says. But I hold this against you that you tolerated the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Notice she, she called herself a prophetess. She called herself, she was speaking on behalf of God. And church, look, this is a reminder that not everybody who calls himself a prophet is really a prophet. Hallelujah. Because we think, okay, because he has a title, and that means he is that. No. A title is a title. I can put on a title, but I cannot be that. And Jezebel here called herself a prophet. She called herself that she was a person speaking on behalf of God. And some people probably thought, yes, this is God. This is God speaking to us. God says, Look, we can in sin in our body, enjoy with this body, but don't sin with the soul. And God comes here with this picture and he's frustrated and mad at this church. He said, No, you cannot tolerate that. And church, it's high time that we, we cannot settle and be comfortable with sin. Amen. And not just sin, but even false teaching. And sometimes we see, and it's, Egg, hey, man, our days, and we just sit there it's like so what are you doing about it there are many that are being led astray i mean the last time somebody showed me that clip when people were eating grass i mean this was like come on this was like maybe twice the number in this church and people went out and they were crawling and crying out like sheep i mean how and you want all these numbers being led astray and that's how Jezebel is she manipulates and she manipulated King Ahab as well as the nation of Israel people were led astray to worship Baal because of our manipulative skills and there are people even today that have the same spirits but you see you and me we can just sit back and say hey but it's bad but look God doesn't want us to do that We need to have a stand where we say, no, but you can't do that. No, that's not true. The scripture says this, amen. The problem is sometimes as believers, our authority is never on the scriptures. Our authority is never on scripture because sometimes we put men of God above the scriptures. And because, well, what happened? Oh, the men of God said this, but what does the Bible say? Oh, the prophets say this. Oh, the apostles say this. Oh, the teachers say this. No, but what does the Bible say? Because all that we have is we we judge it under what the word says. I think a couple of weeks ago, we were reminded of the church of the Bereans. The Bereans, look, even the apostle Paul, I mean, now we are amazed at the apostle Paul and say, wow, this man was it. He was the preacher. But the Bereans, even when Paul came into town and Paul preached a sermon and they said, look, we heard you. But let us go and examine the scriptures. Only then can we say amen that what you're saying is really true. But nowadays, look, people will say amen to anything. Amen. Even when you say amen and people will respond, amen. But you ask, why are you saying amen? Well, we do it all the time. They had tolerated Jezebel and as a result, many believers were led astray to immolarity and eating of the things uh, sacrificed to idols. And he, says, and he says this in verse 21, I give her time to repent and she does not want to repent of our immorality. God says, look, I give this Jezebel time to repent, but she does not want to do that. Ah, God gives us grace all the time. Even the worst of them all, even the worst people out there, God gives them grace. Hallelujah. Even the quote-unquote thin people, we might feel like, ah, but not that one. No, God gives grace to all. Amen. He gives people a chance. There's a song that a brother did. He said, I think it's called, God's goodness leads us to repentance. And in his song, he's talking about, look, sometimes people think, well, I did this sin and God didn't punish me. And they think maybe God is happy with it. But he says, no, you need to recognize the reason why God didn't come to you straight when you did that is because he's giving you time to repent. And when it came to this woman, she was given enough time to repent. And it said she never repented. Sometimes as believers, we think, well, it's okay. Nobody knows about my sin. I have keep it under wraps. Nobody will know it. And sometimes we're comfortable and we get so used to it. And we think, well, God is not punishing me. But look, maybe the reason why God is not coming to you right now is because he's giving you time to repent. The believers in this church, maybe the reason why God did not come to them then because he was giving them time to repent. And it says this, as a result... She does not want to repent of our morality. And he says in verse 22, Behold, I will throw her in the bed of sickness, and those who commit a daughter with her into great tribulation unless they repent. Those involved in her teaching, involved in, with her, will be punished as well. But notice the great extent of the punishment. He says, And I will kill. How many? God says, I will kill. And I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts and I'll give, to each one, uh, I'll give to each one according to their deeds. I will kill her children. I'll kill those that follow her. That is how Jesus cannot tolerate with sin. Amen. Jesus says, look, if it has to be killing, yes, I will do that. I will kill her children. Why? Because God is serious with sin. He can never tolerate sin. And it's amazing how even as believers sometimes we get comfortable with sin. But not with God. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. They sold it and they lied. And what did they do? Bam! They died. Now imagine if it was now. I'm sure you'd have a thousand members coming to your church. It's like, hey, let's go at that church. But don't lie there because you're going to die. There was the power of God in there. And people were serious. And he says, look. God says, look. Because people are leading my people astray. I will kill their children. Because Jezebel does not want to repent. And they don't want to repent. So we saw in the body. God commending this church. But also God bringing condemnation to this church. And say, look. You have tolerated wrong habits. And I am not happy. And then finally... The conclusion of the body. at uh, The conclusion of this letter. He says. But I say to you. The rest of you who are in Thyatira. Who do not hold to this teaching. Who have not known the deep things of Satan. As they call them. I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless. What you have. What you have. Hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and keeps my deeds. And to the end. To him. I'll give authority over the nations. And shall rule them with an iron rod. As the vessels of the porter. He says, look, some of them that were, not, that were in this church did not follow the teachings of Jezebel. And he says, look, to you guys, hold fast to what you have. Amen. To you that are being faithful, hold fast. Continue. Continue in that. Hold fast. It means hold it tightly. Why? Because there are people like Jezebel that are bringing all sorts of false teachings. But you continue. And for everybody that will endure... I love this. For everybody that endure, it says to him, I'll give authority over nations. That in the millennial reign, when Jesus comes and establishes authority, believers are going to have that authority together with Christ to judge nations. Hallelujah. I don't know how we're going to do that. But I try to imagine that, wow. You know, if I endure that one day I'm going to be with Jesus and judging nations and judging people. Wow. I'm going to have like an administrative position. Yes. Appointed by who? Jesus. To those that will endure, I will give them authority to judge nations. And when Christ will come, we'll have that pleasure with him. Imagine sitting next to Jesus. And then you see you are ruling together. Not as equals. Obviously not. But Jesus gives you this authority and gives you the privilege to judge, gives you the privilege to rule because he says we will rule with an iron rod. Look guys, that is the sweetest thing that you could ever have. Wow, together with Jesus, with the Father, with the Son, with the, with the Holy Spirit, together, I will give them to those that will overcome. I will give them this price. They will rule. And he says, As my father has given me authority, as as I have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, when he's talking about the morning star, it refers to Jesus Christ as the brighter and morning stars. As the brighter and morning star. And here it says, look, I will give him the morning star. He will receive my fullness then. No longer are you going to have this body, but you are going to have a newer body. Hallelujah. The morning star, the brighter star, you shall have it in its fullness. That is only the promise that awaits to those that will persevere. That is only the promise to those that will endure. I started off with talking about a song that Brother Z and Brother Hama did, and I'm going to end with that song. This guy's reminded us that we are in a war. Now, in a war, it is never easy. It is constant battle, but there is call for endurance, because there will be attacks from the enemy. But here is what Jesus says to those of you that will endure, to those of you that will endure. I have this great promise. You shall rule together with me, but you shall also receive my authority, but only to those that will endure. Brothers and sisters, in closing, as we look at this letter, notice Jesus is coming as a judge. He's coming with fire blazing out of his eyes to trample those that are bringing wrong teaching, those that are tolerating sin. And possibly he could come even now and even today. If he came in our lives, as I said before, how is he going to come to you? I pray that we shall be one of those that will be like these brothers, some of these brothers that would say, we'll hold fast to his teaching. Even those that will go astray, but we. Shall hold fast. And I pray that that will be you. And I pray that when Jesus meets you, he will say, Well no done. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.